listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today I'm going to talk about... Um, a subject that I get asked about actually more often than I think thought that I would or, or think that I really even should. And I'll tell you why in the broadcast today, but people always come to me. Sometimes it, it'll be at the altar. Sometimes it'll be in the lobby. Sometimes it's just talking to people and they'll say to me, you know, uh, I'd really like you to pray for me because my family and I were really battling a generational curse really battling a generational curse. And, um, we really just, we need prayer. And, um, and I've dealt with this with multiple people, you know, uh, and they'll say, well, you know, I, we see the effects of it. It's a generational curse in our family and blah, blah, blah. And, and what do we do? How do we deal with that? You know, what is it that we need to, to do to get free from it? So today I'm going to talk about it on the broadcast, how you can break family generational curses. And I I put that in quotation marks for a reason. I'm going to go over five things with you today uh, in the broadcast to help you see this. And not only that, but remember what we always teach on this broadcast, that you don't want to just be a prayer project for your entire life. It's like every single week, the pastor and the church are having to lift you up in prayer because you never get free. You're always going from struggle to struggle, problem to problem, That is not what you're called to do or be, but God has anointed you and raised you up as a deliverer. And in fact, those of you that are watching, I want you to put it in the comments. First thing I'm anointed to be a deliverer. I honestly want you to put that in the comments. I'm anointed to be a deliverer. Why do I say that? Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your physical body. And that same spirit that raised him up because it dwells in you, you've been filled with power to destroy the works of the devil. So put it in the comments. I'm anointed. I'm anointed to be a deliverer. And you absolutely are. That's who you are. You know, God raised up deliverers all through the old Testament, through the new Testament, and he's still raising them up today people that bring deliverance to their generation. That's who you are. You're not a victim. You are a deliverer. That's why we don't want you to have to go from crisis to crisis, problem to problem, never figuring out how to get out of these issues. And it's like, man, pray for me. Oh, pray for me. Pray for me. You probably know people like that, that every time you get in touch with them, every time you talk to them, every time you see them, Hey, just keep me in prayer. Oh, just pray for me. Hey, just pray. I can't remember the last time that I asked somebody to pray for me, in all honesty, where I was like, oh, just pray for me. You know, hey, Ted Melton, Ashley Melton. Hey, by the way, side note, Ted and Ashley Melton, thank you guys very much for the coffee. We got it in the mail. I want to say thank you for doing that. Very thoughtful of you. We love you guys. Um, Oh, just pray for me. I can't remember the last time I walked up to somebody and said, oh, just pray for me. I need you to keep me in prayer. need you to pray for me. I don't... You can live in a place and it doesn't mean that prayer is bad or that we don't need prayer. We do, but there's people, you know what I'm talking about. That's their constant mindset. Oh, I just need prayer. Oh, pray. No, you're anointed. You can be delivered. You can stand in deliverance, walk in deliverance and bring deliverance to somebody else. That's what you're called to do, to be a deliverer in your generation. And that's why I wanted you to write it in the comments. If you're listening on the podcast, then just say it out loud. I'm anointed to be a deliverer. I'm anointed to be a deliverer. And you are. So let me get into this. We're going to go through five things today, how you can break a family generational curse, quote unquote. And I put it in quotes for a reason. And the reason is point number one. And point number one, I want you to put it in the comments section. Number one, first thing to understand is this. You are not cursed. That's number one. I am not cursed. If you are a Christian, if you are a 
believer, you are not cursed. So put it in the comments. Number one, I'm not cursed. So, well, you know, I need you to pray for me. We've got a generational curse. No, you are not cursed. And I want you to declare it by faith. And you don't even have to declare it by faith. It's just a truth. You're just declaring a fact. I am not cursed. I'm going to walk you through that in the scripture. But you are not cursed. You're blessed. There's a big difference between the curse and the blessing. I am not cursed. Put it in the comments. Let's, let's look at this now. Um, first, if we were to go back to uh, the Old Testament, there's a story of an evil king who tried his very hardest to get a prophet to curse God's people. And he approached this prophet named Balaam and said, I'll pay you money. All you need to do is curse God's people so that I can destroy them. And Balaam told him, he said, I have to inquire of the Lord. That's what prophets do. And Balaam gets up and when he talks to the Lord, the Lord tells him, I've not found any fault with my people. There's nothing wrong with my people. There's no reason for me to curse them. And Balaam has to come back to this king whose name is Balak and says to him, verse, this is up, Numbers 23 and verse 20. And in fact, I'll start with verse 19. Numbers 23, 19 through 21. Numbers chapter 23, verses 19 through 21. Listen to the answer that the prophet gave the king. And this is Old Testament. He said, uh, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Look at verse 20. Behold, I received a command to bless for he has blessed and I cannot revoke it. Ooh, that's powerful right there. That's powerful. He, for, I've, I've received a command to bless God's people. Why? Because he has blessed and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. That's powerful, man. And the shout of a king is among them. Glory to God. That's enough to make you shout right there in the very beginning of this broadcast. <laughs> he said, oh yeah, I inquired of the Lord. He said he has not found any fault with his people. And I've received a command from God to bless them because he's blessed them. And so I cannot revoke that blessing. Get this in your spirit. If God has blessed you, I don't care if it's a person on the earth with an antichrist spirit. I don't care if it's a witch or a warlock. I don't care if it's a demon, fallen angel. I don't care if it's Satan himself. If God has blessed you, there is no entity that can curse you. I want you to get this deep in your spirit and understand it. If God has blessed you, there is no entity that can curse you. Put that in the comment section, write it in your Bible. If God has blessed me, there is no entity that can curse me. None, none, not a human, <laughs> not a demonically inspired human, not a demon, not Satan himself. No body can curse what God 
has already blessed nobody, nobody. It wouldn't matter to me if every witch in America got together, every warlock, I don't care how many spells, I don't care how much they did, whatever they do, it wouldn't matter to me a bit. If I was the only one standing by myself, you can't curse what God's already blessed. You cannot curse what God's already blessed. That is the bottom line. You say, well, has God blessed me? Well, let's go on to Ephesians 1 then. Ephesians chapter 1. I cannot curse what God has already blessed. And so now we find our, ourselves in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writing to this church in Ephesus, modern day Turkey. And I want you to see well, what the Bible says. Hmm. I'll start with verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse two, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three is very important. I want you to see it. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Whoo, come on, come on. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So you ask yourself, well, am I blessed? Has God blessed me? He not only has God blessed you, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Everyone in heavenly places in Christ. There are, if you think about it, there are no more blessings left to be blessed with because you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. So has God blessed you? Oh, he's blessed you. All right. And if he's blessed you, nobody, nobody, hey, Faith, we're glad you're here. Nobody can curse you. Nobody can curse you. <laughs> Galatians chapter three is where I'm at now. We're still on this first point. You are not cursed. How you can break family generational curses. We're going to deal with it. But first thing you need to understand is you're not cursed. You're not cursed. I like that. Lenan said, I'm all together blessed. That's it. The devil can't curse what God's blessed. Demons can't curse what God's blessed. People can't curse what God's blessed. You cannot do it. So Galatians chapter three, another interesting passage. Let me read to you uh, verse 13. And 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, see this, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now look at verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. What is the promise that God gave to Abraham? He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Morning, Matt. I will bless you and make you a blessing. So if you're still questioning, has God blessed me? He's absolutely blessed you. He has absolutely blessed you. And because he has, there's not nothing and no one that can curse you if God has blessed you. So the first understanding we need to deal with when we're talking about this is that uh, you are not cursed. Now, I'm talking about Christians. Now, if you are not a Christian, if you're not a believer, if you're still living in sin and you're dead in trespasses and sins, you can absolutely be cursed. You can absolutely be cursed. 
And I'm not even saying that people's family didn't go through a curse before they came into the kingdom of God. Your family may very well have been dealing with a generational curse. Maybe a spirit of infirmity, maybe a, 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 an unclean spirit. I don't know what it might've been, but maybe there was a curse that was upon your family. But see, when you come into the kingdom of God, the curse is broken. When you become a believer in Christ, when you step into the light, the Bible says he's taken us out of the darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. When you step into the light, you cannot be cursed. How can any entity, think about this logically, how can any entity override the command and decree of God? How can any demon say no when God has said yes? How can Satan say no when God has said yes? It's impossible. You're not going to override God. If God said his children are blessed, I don't care how many demons team up and say, no, we're going to make them curse. You can't curse me. You can't curse you. You're already blessed. And God has spoken it. He's released it. Let me bring me down here. God has spoken it. He's released it. You see? And so you have to start with that understanding. Otherwise you'll go the rest of your Christian life thinking, well, man, I'm just operating under a curse. I'm just operating under a curse. I'm just operating under. No, you're not operating under a curse. You're operating under the blessing of God. Okay, well, so well then why is it that Christians see problems then? Why do Christians go through issues? Why, why does it seem like some Christians go from crisis to crisis, problem to problem, issue to issue? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because everything in life is governed by seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. In fact, God said in Genesis 8:22, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. And so there are actions that we can take that will keep us in crisis. And then there are actions we can take that will keep us in blessing, that will keep us in peace, that will keep us in joy, not going from issue to issue, problem to problem. You can live outside of those problems by the power of God. Now, I've dealt with the first part, you're not cursed, but let me give you the last four and, and talk to you about what I mean. What many people call generational curses in, in the kingdom of God, what many people call generational curses are not generational curses, but many times, many times, they are what I would call Learned behaviors, learned behaviors. And this is a big deal. It's a very big deal. And I want to deal with it. Number one, you're not cursed. Number two, are you ready for this? Now we're going to talk about breaking it. Number two, break patterns. Put that in the comments. Number two, break patterns. Patterns. Break patterns. It's so important that you catch this. Break patterns. What does that mean? What does that mean to say that? It means that there are people who are in the kingdom of God, but they're continually doing things that they grew up doing, that they learned to do from their family. Well, this is just how my family's always done it. This is just how we've always, and they live and continue to live in that way that everybody in their family has always done. And then they wonder why, how come I still keep getting the same outcome as the rest of my family did, even though I'm a Christian now. It's because, yes, you're on your way to heaven, but you're still releasing the seeds into your life through these actions that are producing the harvest you don't want. 
<laughs> I mean, bottom line is you've got to get free from the patterns of the past. Say, what do you mean by that? I'll tell you what I mean by that. I'll tell you exactly what I mean by that. Well, my family's never had any money. My family's just never had any extra. Yeah. If you look at some people, the way they live, they don't even do what the Bible says. They don't tithe. They don't give. They spend all they have, which the Bible says not to do. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. So the Bible teaches us to tithe, put God first. Bible teaches us to sow seed, bless the poor, don't spend all you have, save, be content. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So there's a financial pattern in the scripture and then there's a financial pattern in the world. Put everything on a credit card, go into debt to have what I want right now. Instead of employing patience, instead of employing contentment, like the Bible teaches, Teaches. Our generation just puts it on a credit card, just goes and gets whatever they want. Don't, don't even have the money to spend. They're living beyond their means. Well, that's not a generational curse. That's a learned behavior, a lack of self-control that the Bible teaches we should have. And so you don't say, well, you know, you know, you, and Karen, you can't control what other people do. You can only control what you do. You can only control what you do. And so if you make any money, you be faithful to God with your money. You can't be faithful with someone else's money. And so you say, well, you know, our family's never had anything. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason. Well, you know, our family, you know, I think type two diabetes runs in my family. No. It's just look at the way that your family has taught you to eat. Look at how they've taught you to eat, when they've taught you to eat. And look at how when anybody in your family experiences stress, they, they resort to eating as a way to get free from their stress. Stress eating, eating late at night, eating all kind, pounding the sugar. So well, I think there's a demon of, of infirmity. I think it's trying to creep. It's not a demon. It's not a curse. It's Patterns of behavior that people have not broken through the power of the Holy Ghost and taken control of their physical bodies, taken control of their minds, taken control of their actions, taken control of their finances and putting God first, treating their body like the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see what I mean? Being a good steward of what God has placed in your hand. Huge. I mean, that is huge. And so we look at that and say, you know what? I'm not just, I'm not just free from the curse. I'm also going to take actions and wisdom that are going to keep me in a place of blessing. There are things you can do that will keep you blessed. And there are things you can do that'll keep you in a place where you are struggling. You're struggling. Well, if you live the way the world lives and you live beyond your means and you put everything on a credit card and you got everything on payments and you can't, you're, you are mortgaged to the teeth and you've got no extra. Well then of course you're going to struggle financially. Of course you're going to be in debt all the time. Of course, all these things are going to be true about you because not of a curse patterns that were never broken. Well, nobody ever taught me to handle money. Well, now you can learn. You're an adult. <laughs> you can learn now. You see what I mean? So there are patterns. Well, you know, we have, you know, obesity runs in our family. No, it's just that two cases of Coke go through your fridge every week. And also you wake up and eat biscuits and gravy every morning. You see what I mean? It's not a demon. It's a pattern. Well, our family's always eating biscuits and gravy every morning. Well, it's time to break the pattern. You understand what I'm saying? You see what I mean? Well, my family, you know, nobody in our family ever seems to be able to keep a job. You know what? Everybody in your family also feels the need to tell the boss off every third day because they don't like their workload. So you can't cuss the boss 
out and you, you understand what I'm saying? There's patterns. You got to break the patterns. You got to break the patterns and you got to do what the Bible says. It brings you into overwhelming blessing when you do. So that's number two, break patterns, break patterns. Number three, you ready for this? This is going to be a hard one, but I want you to get it in your spirit. Hard, but get it in your spirit. Number three, separate from people. There are certain people that you need separation from. Zach, that's a word for you, Zach Ramsey. Leave them biscuits alone. Leave them biscuits alone. Day two, Zach. Separate from certain people. We're going to talk about that. Separate from certain people. You know, when you get saved, your relationships are supposed to change. So, well, I've known them since high school. Doesn't matter. If, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to cut everybody off to the place where you never talk to them again. But, what, but, but listen to what I'm saying now, because this is so big that most people will never get past this one. They'll never get past this one. Well, I've known them forever. Yeah, but they don't have any desire to serve the Lord. They've got no desire to obey the word of God. They've got no desire. So what, what do you end up seeing? Well, how, how can I take what I consider to be, this is my number one priority in life, right? To please the Lord and to obey his word. And then I've got people that want to stay connected to me that have no desire to please the Lord and have no desire to obey his word. Aaron, you are doing well, and I'm, I'm continuing to pray for you. You have to separate from certain people because not everybody wants to please the Lord. But here's the problem is that the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You can hang around the wrong people for too long and it changes your character. You may not even notice it happening, but it's happening because you become who you hang around. You become who you hang around. I was back looking at uh, the book of Genesis where, you know, Lot and his family were in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, uh, you know, Lot was Abraham's nephew. They were covenant people of God. But the Bible says Lot had lived in Sodom and Gomorrah for a while in these wicked twin cities, wicked cities that God was getting ready to destroy. And did you, did you notice this? This always stuck out to me. This always stuck out to me that when the two angels came into the cities to rescue Lot and his family from the cities before God destroyed them, they came into Lot's house, but the wicked, perverse men of those cities saw those angels and how fair they were and came to Lot's house and banged on the door and said, who were those two men that came into your house, that came into the city? Send them outside so that we may all have sex with them. And so there was a whole city full of men, not just the small LGBTQ community. This shows you how wicked the cities were. Every man in the city came to Lot's house and demanded, send those angels, they didn't know they were angels, send the men out to us that we may, we may all have sex with them. My brother, uh, then, then watch this, Lot steps out the door, closes it and says, my brothers, don't do such a wicked thing. Here's the, here's the sign to those of you watching. 
What business did Lot have calling these men his brothers? You've been living in the the wrong place around the wrong people for too long. Lot had an issue. My brothers, don't do such an evil thing. They're not your brothers. These men aren't in covenant with God. These These aren't covenant people. These are wicked people that God's getting ready to burn up with fire and brimstone. My brothers. And then look at Lot. Look at Lot, what he says. This is his this will blow your mind. Here's his solution. Yeah, don't touch the angels. Instead, I've got a virgin daughter. Let me send her out to you and you can do what you will with her. There you go. You've been hanging around the wrong people for too long and it has changed your character lot. It has changed your identity. Wrong people for too long. Instead of, you know, you ever think about this? Why did God have to send angels in there to get Lot and his family out? Why didn't Lot have enough conviction in and of himself to pack up his family and go somewhere else? You ever think of that? Why was Lot okay to stay in the city? Why was Lot okay to continue to live among perversion. Why didn't he pack up and leave? Why did it take a divine intervention to get him out of the city? See, you you don't separate from the right people. You separate from the wrong people. And see, the problem is people aren't willing to separate. People aren't willing to separate. They, they, They would rather lean on tradition. Well, I've known them forever. Yeah, but what does that matter? What does that matter? If, if this is life and death, I have a desire to please the Lord. They've got no desire to please the Lord. So you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. You get into a place of tension where there's a constant pull of you trying to please God and the people you hang with that are doing what they feel is right, what they want to do. That's displeasing to God. So there's always a tension. You know, they, they want to do, now, now check it out. And I, I understand it does make people uncomfortable. And people don't like confrontation. So this is why it happens like this. But, but check this out. What do you do when your friends that you've known forever want to go do stuff that you don't do anymore? What do you do then? Because then, now, if anybody's been in this situation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You get saved, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, but you're still out, you go out with your friends because you've known them forever. And then what do they say to you at the table? Well, you're not getting anything to drink. How come you're not drinking tonight? You're not going to get anything? Seriously, we're all getting stuff. Let me get you something. I'll buy you something. It's always, they're always pulling you back in. Let me, let me, let me get you something. What do you want? I'll buy it. First round's on me. Seriously, first round's on me. Whatever you want. What do you want? You want a big margarita? You want the big margarita they bring out in the bowl? You want the big, you want the big one? We'll get the big one for the day. See? Why is it that as soon as, as you make the change and God has changed your life, then those friends, they don't, it makes them uncomfortable that you're not who you used to be. It makes them uncomfortable. What do you mean you're not drinking tonight with us? What, do you get all holier than thou now? You, you, you're like a little Christian, not going to drink anymore? Come on, Jesus drank wine. They always try to suck you right back in, suck you right back in to the way you used to be, to the, to the exact way you used to be. You know, you go out with your girlfriends, you're all single, you know, you got saved, they're not saved and you're out, man. We're going to hit the club. I'm finding me a man tonight. I'm finding me a man tonight. How come you're not picking up dudes anymore? What's the matter with you? What is the matter with you? You're not going to go where, where what's wrong with you? It changes immediately and they're all upset. Because you're not going out and picking up guys with them anymore. How come? Why aren't you looking for somebody? We're hitting the club tonight, girl. Get that mini skirt on. Where's those tight pants? <laughs> I saw a funny, I saw a funny meme the other day. 
You, you guys remember that song? Now, some of the other more, more uh, sanctified have probably never heard this song. But what's the song where it's like the, uh, you know, the one that was like boots with the fur, you know what I'm talking about? And, and the, other, the other part was like Reeboks with the straps. I saw me, it was like, how many legs this girl got? <laughs> how does she have boots with the fur and Reeboks with the straps? <laughs> Diane said, clothing matters to cleavage. Apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, Reeboks with the straps. How many legs does this girl have? Um, but I'm just telling you, how come, why aren't you going to the same places anymore? Nancy said, I left those tight pants a long time ago, (laughs) but I'm just telling you, you know how it is. Raise your hand in the comments section. If you know what I'm talking about, that you get saved, you get filled with the Holy ghost, you're living for the Lord. And all of a sudden, every party friend that you've ever known comes out of the woodwork and they're like, how come you, how come you're not coming out with us? We're going, you know, we're going to hit this, this, this. We're hitting three spots tonight. How come? And then they want you to, then they start giving you a hard time because you aren't doing the same things anymore. You know what you got to do though. If you're going to please the Lord and stop living in a generator, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I've never had any relationships that work out. Well, maybe it's because you began those relationships after about three shots at a club on a Saturday night. That's really not the best way to start a relationship. <laughs> three shots deep at a club on a Saturday night in apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to make, Caitlin said, I used to be ratchet. That was one of the songs I'd run out of my high school bathroom when it came on and dance. (laughs) You understand? Aaron said, I was, I was told I'm not allowed to change this much. You see, people don't want you to change. It makes them uncomfortable to see you changing, but they're not changing. Right. And and they, and there's certain people that you have to, you have to separate yourself from because if you don't, they will pull you right back into the way that you lived before. Chris is right. In Mesa, starting a relationship in a bar is not the way to go. I totally agree. I totally agree. At a club, probably not. Probably not. After after three shots of Patron, probably not. Yeah. There you go, Erica. I miss the old you. She was real. The old you was real. Exactly. Exactly. I'm telling you, and that's where it's at for people. Liz said, I had people tell me, I wish I had, I wish that they wish that she hadn't changed. You see what I mean? And so I'm just telling you, yeah, the old you was fun. The old you was real. And I'm just telling you, this is where it's at. And as a result, what happens is if people don't separate, then they get pulled right back into the way they used to live. I had a girl that came to one of the services that I was preaching in, and she was uh, part of the LGBT community. And uh, she was in, I believe, active relationship. And the power of God touched her Uh, in those services. I called her out. I didn't know. I called her out and gave her a, a word. She's crying. God's touching her. Holy ghost. I laid hands on her. She came to the altar and got saved. Catch this now. She got saved, repented of sin, totally touched by the Holy ghost. She's weeping in the house of God. Then you know what she did? She refused to separate from the people that don't want to please God. Went back into it, and guess what obviously happened? Every one of those people 
talked her out of what the Lord did for her in his house. Oh, you you know, they're trying to, and what happened? She then went right back into that life and all the things God did for her thrown to the curb. And she was genuinely repenting, genuinely changed. Power of God touched. She, you, why would you, she couldn't fake that. And you have to be careful. I don't need everybody in my life. I need the right people in my life. Put that in the comments. I don't need everybody in my life. I need the right people in my life. That's who I need. I need like, I've said this many times, like the man on the mat, paralyzed. I need friends that if I can't, if I'm in a place where I can't get to the anointing, I want people to pick me up and take me to the anointing. I want people to go to the next level with me so that I can receive a touch from God. Aaron said, I've, I've experienced being pulled back in 10 trillion times. I understand many people have dealt with it. I don't need everybody in my life. I need the right people in my life. No question. No question. I need those that'll pick. I don't need those that if I, if I have an issue, they just start talking about me. I don't need those that if I need a miracle, they start telling me why I shouldn't get my hopes up. I need people that will pick me up right under my armpits and pull me back into what God's called me to do by faith. That's who you need. It's who I need. So number one, we break patterns. Number two, we separate from wrong people. Well, that sounds, that sounds mean, brother. That doesn't sound like walking in love. Doesn't sound like walking in love, brother. You hear all these people. You hear all these people today because they don't understand what love is and they don't understand the priority of love either. Doesn't sound like walking in love, brother. Let me tell you something. Notice the two commands that came from Jesus in the New Testament. What was the first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. What's number two? Love your neighbor as yourself. So the first, this is so important that you get get this. The first command is that you walk in love toward God first. Not people, God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So what does that mean? The love walk that I have with God is ahead of the love walk I have with people. Which means I'm not living to make people happy. I'm not living to please humanity. I'm living to please God. So what makes him happy when I obey his word? I would rather obey his word and have people mad at me than I would to make people happy and God's displeased. You see that? I walk in love toward him first. Well, if I'm obeying his word, what did he say to his disciples? If you go to a town and you preach the gospel to them and they don't receive it, he didn't say, well, stay there for 20 years and walk in love towards them. He said, shake the dust off of your feet and go somewhere else. What did Paul tell us to do uh, in the last days with people that had a form of godliness and denied the power thereof? He said, when you find them, turn away from them. Have nothing to do with them. That doesn't sound like walking in love, brother. Tell Paul, tell the Holy Ghost. He's the one who inspired the word of God. Turn away from them. Have nothing to do with them. Come out from among them and be separated. Be separated. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. It's an unequal yoke. It's an unequal yoke. It's an unequal yoke. Wow. You notice if there's two horses pulling a carriage, whatever it might be, notice they don't put a horse on one side and a chihuahua on the other side. Unequal yoke. The chihuahua can't pull that kind of weight. His feet don't even reach the ground. You understand what I'm saying? You've got one that pulls it, one that can't pull it. It's unequal. 
And so what you have is you've now been empowered to obey the Lord. People that aren't saved can't obey the Lord. They've not been empowered to do so. They're dead in trespasses and in sins and the things of God are foolishness to them. And they're at enmity with God. They're enemies of God. They will always go the opposite direction. So now that's that pulling I'm telling you about. You've been empowered to obey the Lord. They're not obeying the Lord. And so you're yoked together. It's unequal. It'll tear your relationships up. It brings drama and stress and crisis. Drama, stress, crisis. Why? Because people stay in unequal yokes. No, Deb, that's not what that means. It means that people act like they're Christians, but they don't live, they don't live as Christians. There will be stress, drama, crisis, because people won't separate. They won't separate. So it's like, what's the point of staying in that relationship? What's the point of that friendship? What is it actually doing for you? Here's the thing that I think. It's like people stay in them for nostalgia's sake. But what is it doing for you? What is that person who's unsaved adding to that relationship? Are they building up your faith? Are they stirring up your most holy faith? Are they discussing the word with you and getting deep and, and getting you all excited? about the word of God? Are they encouraging you to be more faithful to church? Are they praying for you when you're sick? No, none of the things you need can be found in those relationships. None of the things you need, none. You see, now, if you're already married to the person, you don't leave them. The Bible teaches that you pray for them and believe God to save them. If they're harming you, you separate yourself from them, obviously. You don't stay in the house with somebody that's abusing you, punching you, smacking you around. It's a danger to your kids. You can still love them from a distance. You can still pray for them from a distance, but you use wisdom and you protect yourself. That's what I'm dealing with. Shannon asked the question, what about those that get married and both are unsaved and then one gets saved, but the other won't? How do you navigate that? Is divorce okay if it's been years in that situation? No, it's not okay. That's not a reason to get divorced. Pray for that person. Ask God to touch them. Ask God to save them. Believe for a miracle. God can raise the dead. He can open blind eyes, but he can't fix a marriage and, and save a, of course he can. And you be faithful. And ask God to touch your family member. But as I said before, because there's people that deal with that. <clears throat> if you've got somebody in the house that's actively harming you, you get out. You get out. Get somewhere safe, but still love them, still pray for them. But you don't have to be right there. Separate from the wrong people. Uh, I kind of covered this next one. But this is, this is very important. I kind of touched on it with people. But separate from the wrong places. Separate from the wrong places. Well, I understand. Well, I'm cursed. I'm going through a generational curse. No, stop going to the places. There's people I know can't get, couldn't get free. And so it's like, if you've got a gambling problem, stop going with your friends to the casino. Stop going with your friends to the casino. Well, you know, I'm not going to gamble. I just want to go with them, have a good time. I'm going to eat at the restaurant, you know, just be with it. Don't go to the casino. You've got a gambling problem. People keep putting themselves in, in the wrong places. If you leave Alcoholics Anonymous and go back to a bar, you're dumb. Stop going to the wrong places. No, that's not a reason for divorce, Richard. It's not a reason for divorce. You see what I'm saying? Don't go to the wrong places. The environment's everything. You see that? Environment's everything. Totally. This is why people need to spend time in the house of God. 
It's why they need to stop spending. <laughs> hey, Charlie, I know it. I've prayed, I've prayed for you about that many times. Your pizza problem, Chuck E. Cheese demon. Command that mouse to come out of you in Jesus' name. Um, separate from those places. Stop going to the same spots. You understand what I mean? And what happens is, and the reason I've put these things together is because a lot of times if you don't separate from the people, you won't separate from the places, right? Yes, I understand that, Norman. But to my, to my understanding, the question was, should I divorce my spouse because they won't get saved? Not that they're trying to leave me, but you don't get saved and say, well, now I'm saved and you're not, so I'm out of here. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that. Now, it does, as, as Lynn put in the comments, the other way around, that is true. But you don't, you don't get saved and say, well, you didn't get saved with me, so I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to go find me a saved husband. You don't do that. You don't do that. And so the key being, those environments will destroy you. Where you go will destroy you. That's why many times if you don't separate from the people, you won't separate from the places. That's why you got people that get saved, keep the same friends and find themselves in the club on Saturday night. You got people that get saved and they don't, they don't separate from their friends and they're still bar hopping. They're still doing the same thing, still going to the casino. They're still all the same stuff that they always have done because they've got the wrong relationships, which end up, you end up in the wrong environments. I used to, now I, I go as far as this. Now marriage is a different story, but dating's not and neither's engagement. And so let me tell you, I used to go speak at a lot of youth camps. Um, and when I went to, the, went to those youth camps, the first thing I would always say is how many of you are dating someone that's not a Christian? Raise your hand. And I think they always thought that I was going to be like, we're going to believe God that your boyfriend and girlfriend gets saved. And all the hands would go up. How many of you are believing you're, you're dating somebody that's not a Christian? And I mean, the hands would go up. And I'd say, good. When the service is over, call them up on your phone and break up with them. And you should have seen every hand shoot down. The hands would shoot down so quick. Because nobody wanted to do that. Nobody wanted to break up with anybody. But notice this. What was, what was the point I was making? The point I was making is this. Don't be unequally yoked. You're not married to that person. Get out of that relationship. Because you know what's going to happen. Talk about being in places. The thing that's going to happen is, is that guys, if you're dating an, an unsaved girl, she's going to want things you don't want. Girls, if you're dating an unsaved guy, he's going to want things you don't want. And the problem is, is that the pressure will always be there in the relationship and then the places are there. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? And so if you don't separate from the people, then the places will follow and the places you get in trouble in the places. So, well, I don't understand. Stop going to the same places. It's not a curse. I understand why I wake up Sunday morning and I'm always hung over. It's not a generational curse. You're, you've not separated from the wrong places. If you don't want to wake up hungover, don't go to the club. Don't go to the bar. <laughs> you see what I mean? Don't hit the liquor store at 3 a.m. And so it's, it's places. Let me give you this final one before we pray today. Very important. You want to break this pattern, this issue where it seems like it's just struggle after struggle, problem after problem. One of the things that's so vital to understand is that now that you are saved, you have a purpose. So the fifth thing that I would say to you today is this, connect with your purpose. Connect with your purpose. One of the things that helps people more than anything else is doing the thing that God has called them to do. Do what the Lord's asked you to do. You think Jonah 
was dealing with a generational curse because the whale swallowed him up, the fish, the large fish? No. I just was really battling, really battling because you know, he wasn't doing what the Lord told him to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. And so that's the key. And I would say, I'm going to leave you with this before we pray. Connect with your purpose. Be led by the spirit. What is it? What is it that the Lord is specifically speaking to you to do? And then when you find out what it is, go at it with everything you've got. Your purpose, what God's called you to do, it should always be the top priority in your life. And here's the, here's the power of priorities. I'm going to give you this because this, this will help you a lot. Here's the power of priorities. When you have them set, they also determine not just what you will do. Priorities will determine what you don't do, what you don't do. I've given this illustration before. I'm going to give it again because it really makes sense here is when I was in Buffalo, New York, there was a young man I met who had just been drafted into the NFL and he was going to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, he was, we were, we were having a crusade there and it was in the summer. He was getting ready to go back to training camp. And I was very interested about something. And I asked him, I said, um, when you go back after the off season to training camp, I said, do, do they have like a specific weight they want you to be at or anything? He said, man, not only do they have a specific weight, he said, it's so specific that uh, they look at your age, your height, and they look at the position you play on the team. And then you have uh, a dietitian assigned to you. You have a trainer assigned to you and all this and an eating plan. He said, and when you come back to camp, you have to be at a certain weight. And he said, there's only a grace period of about one to two pounds in either direction. He said, but if you go beyond that, you get fined thousands of dollars for every pound you are over and over your given weight for your age and your uh, height and your position because they know what it takes for you to perform at that level. What is that? The purpose of that football player. So notice they've got a standard. They've got a priority. What's my priority to stay at this place where I can function at the highest level. So what does that do? When you've got that priority set, it just, it doesn't just determine what you will do. I will work out. I will. And then you go through all the, I wills, but you know what it also says? I won't eat junk food. I won't fill my body with carbs. I won't. It doesn't just determine the, I wills. It determines the, I won'ts, which are just as important. And that's the key. When you connect with your purpose, when you know what you're called to do, it doesn't just determine the things you will do. It determines the things you won't do, right? If I'm, if I'm training for the Olympics and I've got to be at a place where I can really, I'm going to live my life a certain way. You know what I mean? It's like I heard, um, or read, I should say, I read Dr. Cho, uh, say in his book, prayer that brings revival, because they prioritize um, prayer so highly, they prioritize prayer so highly, they said, we don't stay out late and eat night after night after night because we know that we have to wake up for 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. prayer. So because that is our priority, that it doesn't just determine what we will do, it determines what we won't do. And what will we not do? We'll not stay up late, wear ourselves out so that we can't do the thing we determined we will do, which is to wake up early and pray. And so notice this, it is your priorities, your calling, your purpose that puts you in line with the very thing you're called to do, what you should be doing, what you should be doing. I want to pray for you today. Breakthrough Friday, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that the enemy has tried to hit you with, 
I'm going to pray because I mean, I've had prayer requests coming in. I've had prayer requests coming in yesterday, day before today. People are, the, the enemy is trying to attack God's people, but we are filled with the anointing. The power of God in us is greater than the spirit in this world. And not only are we going to take authority over every attack of the enemy, I'm going to pray that God opens your eyes and shows you some things that need to be broken. These areas, well, it's a generational curse. It's not a generational curse. Break these patterns. Break, you know what? Some of you, as I was preaching that today, you already know there's people in your life that you're like, man, I know exactly who he's talking about in my life. I need separation. I need separation. Be bold enough to do it. Do it in love. You don't have to make a production out of it. You know, you don't have to like send them a letter from this day forward. I will not be, you know, just begin to give yourself space. Begin to give yourself space. Father, in Jesus name, I pray for those that are watching. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have filled us with your spirit, that we overflow in the goodness of God. I ask you now in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would set every captive free. Those that are battling, Lord, I take authority over sickness that's tried to come upon people's bodies. I take authority over disease. Those that are in the hospital, those that are struggling, heal their body today, Lord. We ask you, send healing virtue, make them whole and take all the glory for doing it. I pray in Jesus' name for those that uh, are struggling in relationships. Lord, there's people that have marriages that need to be restored. We've had multiple, multiple messages. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus name, you can do the impossible. I pray that you would set those marriages free. I pray that you would break whatever bondage is on that marriage. Maybe the spouse is unsaved. Lord, soften, soften their heart and bring them into the kingdom. Let them be saved by the power of your spirit. Bring somebody across their path that would preach the gospel to them in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you to do it. Restore marriages, restore marriages, bless families in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. If you receive it today, you know what to do in the comments section. I love you so much. Carolyn's going to be with you at two o'clock, but let me encourage you before I go today. It's a new month. It's the month of October. We've got a brand new offer for those of you that are sowing into this ministry. And I want to encourage you to take a minute to sow seed, get seed in the ground. These are the things that bring blessing into your life. I'm getting ready to speak on Sunday morning at my home church about this very thing, the power of sowing seeds and seeds of honor. It takes you to a whole nother level, whole nother level. And we've seen it happen so violently this year. It's insane. I mean, it's insane how God has blessed this ministry, this year has been outstanding. I mean, I, I can't even tell you the level to which God's done it. I mean, we confessed all of last year, violent increase, expedited favor. And this year, we've even had more violent increase than last year. It's been supernatural. God will do the same for you. On the screen, you can see the ways to give. MiracleWord.com shows all the ways. But let me encourage you. Get seed in the ground. Maybe you're believing God for increase. Let me, let me give you a challenge. Scroll back. Let me see Amy's testimony. God is so faithful. He grabbed a hold of my husband. It's done. Promise to stand true forever. Praise God. Praise, praise God. I'm so excited for this. I've been standing with Amy and believing with her for this. This is so awesome. Praise God, Amy. I'm so thankful to hear that. Thank you, Jesus. What a great testimony. What a great testimony. And Amy's on fire. She's been, I mean, she's been killing it. Everywhere she goes, she's telling people about Jesus. That's awesome. Thank God, Amy. Thank God. Let me give a challenge out there today to those that are, that are watching. To stand with us in partnership. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the posts that we've made, or maybe we've announced it here on the broadcast, but God opened the doors for us to go through all of greater Asia now. Love you too, Amy. Greater Asia, 90 million more homes, Iraq, India, parts of China, 
Pakistan, Philippines. It's opened up and God's doing it. So supernatural. Uh, they told us embed, embed the captions on your broadcast because there's more people that can read English that can speak it than can speak it. So if you'll put the English uh, overdubs on your broadcast, you'll have tons more people be able to get the gospel. Uh, they told us that at any given time in India, there's 1.2 million people watching. That's amazing. And they'll be translating the program as well uh, in the future to other language, which is amazing. Thanks for sowing a seat, Amy. We love you. Um, it's just amazing. God's doing it. You are a part of a ministry that's reaping the end time harvest. Maybe you've been on the fence and the Lord's been dealing with you to stand with us in partnership of $85 or more each month. Let me encourage you, step out by faith and do what the Lord's telling you to do and watch how God will bless you. For the month of October, we've got a brand new offer for you. It's E.W. Kenyon's book, Jesus the Healer. This is a powerful book. I actually have, I think, everything he's put out. E.W. Kenyon was a powerful uh, man of God, a lot of revelation. He, it, he heavily influenced people like Kenneth Hagin, uh, Kenneth Copeland, others. Powerful, powerful man of God with a massive understanding of Pauline revelation, who you are in Christ, new creation realities. And um, the man was ugly as sin, but what a wonderful man of God he was. I mean, if you ever see his picture in the back of the book, not that it matters, but I mean, he was hard to look at. I'm going to be very... Very honestly, hard man to look at, but an easy man to read. Man, did he have a revelation of God's word. And uh, it's just, I really appreciate his ministry. I just don't look at his pictures. But <laughs> what a wonderful man. E.W. Kenya, look up a picture of him. You'll see. But what a mighty man of God he was. Um, yes, if you're in the Northeast, my dad is going to be with the Dross family at Peckville Assembly of God this coming Sunday through Friday, right before Fitchburg takes place. If you can get there, get there. It's going to be an awesome week of revival. Peckville Assembly of God is in Blakely, Pennsylvania. You can get all the details on my father's website, tedshuttlesworth.com. Go be a part of the revivals. Then join us up in Massachusetts. I'm joining him there. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. Thank you to everybody that's sowing seed. I love you so much. Have a powerful weekend, and I'll see you again on Monday morning. We've got new stuff starting next week. Don't forget to join Carolyn today, 2 o'clock p.m. Love you a lot. Have a blessed weekend, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.